Hey everybody, it is Turbo for the 2BD Podcast. We're going old school today. We're doing the retro wrestling rant. With me, as always, I have Algorithm. And we're talking about some of the greatest robberies that happened back in, you know, the 80s, 90s, maybe early 2000s, depending on how far we can go with this topic. Um, as we all know, we all started wrestling probably, or all started watching wrestling around, you know, uh, 80s, 84, 85, I think, is when I started watching it. Maybe 86, 87. I can't really remember. Kind of all blends together back then. Yeah, I think we were roughly the same. Like, we've talked about, you know, our our first four-way, four-way, uh, foray into wrestling. And uh, we kind of, I think you're like a few months before I am, literally. Like, you probably watched it when you were really young, but I don't, I think you said you kind of just watched it through osmosis. You didn't really... Like back when you were like four and three, you didn't really understand what was happening. It was just maybe your uncle was watching it or whatever. And yeah, for sure. It was there. something like that. It was just more, it was on television. I was in front of it. Yeah, exactly. Sort of um, so yeah, I, I like the A&E biography and rivals is all the WWE biography and rivals is all the rage these days. And I just, I've been watching a lot of the rivals ones. They're interesting little documentaries. If you haven't watched any of them, um, you can, I'm sure on your favorite streaming, uh, app, you can find them. Uh, there, some of them are really, really good. Um, like there's a Hogan Andre, there's a, a Hogan Piper one is really, really good. And, um, so yeah, I've been kind of watching those lately and I just got to thinking like, there's a lot of, a lot of the big rivalries and we'll touch on those. I just figured we'd kind of take a, a trip down memory lane and uh some of the the rivalries of course are the bigger ones um the one i'll start with is rather gigantic uh but there's a lot of little weird ones that might have stuck out to you or stuck out to me and you know maybe we, like you know maybe you'll say something i forgot about and you know it'll be one of those weird ones that that didn't really stick out to me that you that you liked um, well, here's the thing. This is this is where I, I we may we may disagree on. See, back in the '80s and '90s, like when I watched wrestling, I wasn't like obsessed. Like you know what I mean? Like I wasn't really. Oh my god, this is I have to watch everything. But I did watch it every Saturday, like the the old superstars back in the day. Um, yeah. I didn't really start getting into uh, like watching like the pay per views and stuff until I got early, like older, obviously. But like I remember. Uh, my my mom's uncle, he had one of the big satellite dishes. We'd go to every pay-per-view. So, like, I always got to watch the pay-per-views live back when I was younger. But it was more of a, like, it was like, oh, we got to go visit so-and-so on Sunday. Because, like, my dad was into it. So was my mom. They, like, it was a big thing in their, in the family, like, wrestling was. Because we all watched it on Saturdays. Yeah. And then we would, uh, we would watch the pay-per-views. So like Saturday night's main events were like where you uh, you got your lead ups and your big storylines for it, if you remember back in the 80s. Um, so that's really what I remember is like watching those Saturday night main events. Now, I don't know if there's any real obscure feuds that happened on the Saturday night main event. But like I know during the, the superstar shows, there was always uh, certain like uh, the mid card uh, rival, that sort of thing. I guess that's what you're talking about. You want to like, yeah, just like. 
just any there's no like caveats just any rivalries like i'm not talking okay. about like a one-off match or anything like that but one where they kind of devoted a storyline behind it where you know maybe they developed it maybe the payoff was wrestlemania a big match or maybe it was just a saturday night's main event um as you mentioned like wrestling was a lot different back in the 80s and to an extent the early 90s there's probably not a lot going on in the early 90s but uh, no one cares about Shawn Michaels and Doink having a rivalry. But um, I just mean in terms of like storyline, where they they actually dedicated a storyline. Maybe they developed it on the Brother Love Show, or maybe they talked about it on Piper's Pit or the Snake Pit. Um, there's you know the, the big rivalries will when I when I mention some of them, um, I'm sure they'll they'll click to you. But, you know, maybe there's little ones in there that, that stuck out to you. Well, we'll just see where it goes. All right. So where do you want to start? So trying to figure out where to start. Um, I think, like, I started watching wrestling between WrestleMania, somewhere between WrestleMania 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. So when I started watching wrestling, the Hulk Hogan-Andre the Giant rivalry was being developed. It was kind of... You know the the first few Piper's Pits I remember, and I'm sure you do. And we've we've talked about this rivalry before, so we won't stick on it too much, but we should mention it. Um, you remember, like on Piper's Pit, you know they awarded Hulk Hogan a, a trophy for being the heavyweight champion for three years or whatever it was, and then they awarded Andre the Giant a trophy for being undefeated for 15 years, I think. And uh, Andre's trophy was smaller than Hogan's. Well, the That's the kinda... funny thing was the funny thing was is like Hogan had this huge trophy, yep. and it looked you know it still looked big next to Hogan, but then they gave Andre the small trophy, and it looked absolutely like a fucking participation <laughs> trophy when Andre was holding. It. So it was kind of like they were like really digging in because they knew it was going to look that way, yes. and like they know that, and I think I think uh, they knew it was going to make Andre a little more angry just because of just the way it looked on screen. So I, I, it It was was super smart, super smart. It was that, that rivalry. And we we've talked about it before, but that was the first major rivalry for me that I can remember. And I don't know, is that, does that somewhat align with what you remember or what's the first major one that you remember? See, my thing was, is I started watching WrestleMania at WrestleMania two. So it was, Piper and uh, uh, Ace versus, you know, Hogan and uh, Mr. T. Was that two or was that three? I can never remember. I'm pretty sure two, that was WrestleMania two. That was WrestleMania one. Two was uh, Hogan and Bundy in the steel cage, I think. Well, which one was it where Mr. T and Piper that was Russ, That was the first one. So you remember Hogan and Piper having the big rivalry. That was your yeah. Kinda, your first. That was one. that was my that was my introduction. And I liked Piper because he talked a lot of shit, like just a lot of shit. Okay, well and let's like, let's start there then, because I okay. that's a little before my time, but I've watched the episodes on rivalry and and stuff like that. And as I've mentioned with Piper, like I've come to appreciate him a lot more as time has gone on. But this is this is kind of this is what I wanted to do. This is your memory. So what do you remember about that, and why did you? Well, just like I said, because like uh, it was, I remember watching WrestleMania 2 on the old Coliseum videotape at my cousin's place. It was right after, you know, the event happened 
and wrestling continued. And that's when I started watching wrestling. But we we were always like three or four months behind because that's how the tapes came in. They're always like three or four, even sometimes six months after. So we already, I already knew what happened, but you had to see it. That was yeah. the thing. And so I remember like, you know, it was like, oh, Hogan won, but like how? And like, then you see, you know, the, the match unfold and whatnot. But like the lead up to those matches where it was like, you know, Piper on, on his, uh, like in his interviews, just talking so much smack about Hogan and then Mr. T and he like started talking smack about him and his mom and. Oh my God! Just there's so much classic Piper in that, in that rivalry, you know. Like uh, just when you think you have all the answers, I change the questions. Like that's where you you know a lot of that stuff came from, and it was just it was just you know really cool to see that you know a, a bad guy who could talk that well get under the skin of you know a celebrity, you know Mr. T, and you know Hogan. Like he would piss Hogan off, and Hogan would get angry, and it was great. I just love that. Um, when the match when the match went off, like when I watched it, uh, you know, when I was a kid, it, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Well, going back and watching it as an adult, and you're like, oh, they're really stiffing them. They're they really don't like each other. <laughs> so yeah, the story. Kinda... I'll just interject just for a second. The story is is that uh, Piper never wanted Mr. T involved because he wasn't a wrestler, and he he did not approve of him being shoved into the main event. No, it was a big thing, right? It was like, you know, this guy doesn't even respect our sport. He's just coming in for a payday, essentially. And, and you know, that that pissed Piper off. And Piper was like, well, we're going to wrestle, but I'm going to make him earn it. So he was stiffing Mr. T quite a bit. And I think there was a point in, I remember, I think in a shoot interview, I think I was, uh can't remember who with who it was, but said they, they said like, you know, Piper was really going to fuck up Mr. T with that stool. <laughs> <laughs> in the boxing match um so it was uh it was interesting because like you know they didn't really know if piper was going to stay on script and do what he was supposed to do because piper was kind of unpredictable back then and he had the clout where you know he was a legit golden gloves boxer like he has the he had the pedigree of a boxer who could kind of hang with mr t and uh well, mr it was, t wasn't mr t wasn't really a boxer though that was kind of the the whole right but like, thing yeah, but it was him. more of a, he would have, yeah, but it was just like, you know, like, you know, the way it was portrayed to us as a kid was, you know, Mr. T trained boxing. That's how he came into the business. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it was just, you know, we fell for it as kids, but like, you know, as we go back and watch it as adults, you're just like, wow, Piper really, really wanted to fuck him up. And yeah, it was unfortunate that it, you know, it didn't, it didn't get as much of the notoriety as the you know, the, the Hogan Bundy match, obviously, or the Hogan, who was Hogan fighting? I'm pretty sure. Uh, do you remember? Cause WrestleMania two was one of those weird ones where it was like three different events. Well, yeah, that was the word. Like that was, so uh, it was, it was kind of messed weird up. As hell. Yeah. yeah. So it's like one, one arena was like, it was the, the main event was Ho, uh, Piper and Mr. T. And then yeah. one, one arena was, you know, Hogan and Bundy. And then the other arena, I can't remember what the I can't remember what the mid card match was on that. I'm trying to remember. I, don't, I have no idea. I'm, I'm probably Savage and somebody. I'm not. I'm not even sure. Yeah, it was. It was probably one of you know something time. for the Intercontinental Title or something like that. But but yeah, that's what I remember watching, like really getting into wrestling as a kid. Um, and then you said you know yours was the uh, the Andre uh, Hogan. 
but then where did you what was a what was another big rivalry that stuck out for you as you know as time went on like mine going af- after it was the the hogan andre thing because don't forget there's that offshoot with the million dollar man bullshit right yeah, that's I, I was gonna say that with the with the Hogan Andre rivalry, like the obviously the big payoff, and you remember all the things that led up to WrestleMania three. Um, you know, all of a sudden Heenan, like Andre showing up with Heenan, and you know, for anyone that's our, our listeners out there that aren't really familiar with kind of eighties wrestling, Bobby Heenan was like basically the the Paul Heyman back then, like he was it. And if you were with him, you were like super evil. And uh, <clears throat> all of a sudden, like, you know, Andre's showing up with, with Bobby Heenan on the Piper's pit. And it's funny because, you you know, you mentioned the the uh, the Hogan-Piper rivalry. Um, one other thing I was going to throw in there was that was the whole rock and wrestling thing, too. If you remember uh, Piper kicking Cindy Lauper across the ring. And that's how Mr. T got involved because it was kind of a a collaboration between like pop cultures were kind of colliding at the time. And it was very smart of, of Vince McMahon to do it. Um, you know, that was the rock and roll, the rock and wrestling connection. And, you know, Piper was all against it. And that was real. Like that wasn't kayfabe. That was real. Piper hated that whole idea. Um, obviously, in retrospect, he... He came to, you know, figure out that, yeah, that was actually pretty smart, but he hated it at the time. Um, But at this point, Piper was like almost a face, like he was almost a good guy. And if you Yeah, there's a lot of people cheering. There's a lot of people cheering Piper because a lot of people were tired of Hogan must win for the past three years, right? Like that's the thing. He was just so popular that people could not help but, but cheer for Piper. And uh, he turned face and I can still remember that infamous Piper's pit where, you know, it kind of came to a head where Andre ripped the shirt and the cross off of Hogan and Piper's like, you're bleeding. And uh, yeah, he was like, you know, and you remember with, with uh, Ventura saying, you know, I'll bring, I'll bring my guys, you bring yours. And it's, you know, and him and Piper kind of getting into it and Piper saying, if you can produce Bobby Heenan and Andre, I can, I'll have Hogan and, you know, they, they kind of had that rivalry as well. Um, but yeah, the, the, the big Piper's pit where he, you know, Piper's clearly a face by this point. And uh, what, what we were going to say was uh, the payoff was WrestleMania three. So WrestleMania three comes along, you know, Hogan does the, the body slam. He does the leg drop. Hogan must pose. Um, but they were still able to milk more out of it. And at this point, Andre can barely walk, but they get more out of it and they actually get another payoff a year later at WrestleMania four. It's Hogan and Andre. And it's the, you know, it's the rematch during the uh, heavy championship uh, tournament. And, you know, nobody knew what was going to happen there. Um, Andre won that match clean. I still say it to this day in, in WrestleMania four. Yep. Or are you talking about the main event where he, he pinned Hogan with the two referees and nope, no, 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 that's the two. Nope. I'm talking WrestleMania three. The first time Hogan tries to slam Andre, Andre lands on top and the ref counts oh, three, yes. but it gets down at his two. And it pisses me <laughs> off. Because I remember watching that as a kid and going, he fucking won. And my parents are like, no, 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 it was a two. And I'm like, this is bullshit. Andre should have won It was close. That belt. It was close. I'll give you that. It was very close. 
Um, all the interviews with that match too, where, you know, even Hogan admits it, uh, if it, it all was on Andre, like they got to the, the Pontiac Silverdome that day, that night that they were getting ready to wrestle and Hogan still did not know what exactly was going to happen. Was Andre going to allow him to, to pin him? And there was, you know, if Andre didn't want to lose that match, there was no, nothing anybody could do about it. So I don't know if that was Andre just kind of putting the fear of God into Hogan and I'm not sure, but you're right. That was a really, cause I remember the referee holding up the two fingers, like, you know, he had to hold them up because everybody thought it was over. Yeah, even the announcers did. I remember the announcers saying that's three. Oh my God. It's and, three. Oh, no, and the it's announcers two. had I'm no like, idea. The yeah. announcers went into the match having no idea. Like they know what the plan finish was. They know it was supposed to be Hogan. But there was this contingency plan that, you know, if Andre wasn't going to allow that to happen, then you got to go with the flow. Like you can't, you know, you can't break kayfabe. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Yeah, so it, if Andre, Andre, <laughs> Andre wants, Andre gets. Sorry. Yep. So they, as I said, like they were able, that rivalry lasted like two years. Like they were able to milk, a, well, actually more than two years. They were able to milk a lot out of that rivalry. Well, um, that's what, and that's what I don't understand about Vince's current product now. I don't mean to get like talking future, but no, like, that's, that's Vince fine. had Vince had the fucking foresight to be like a long term booker at this point in his career, and he's just like, yeah, like we got months to tell these stories, and now everything has to be done in like three weeks, and it's just like, come on, Vinnie Mac, you know better. Well, the it's, difference is, is the difference is about forty years, and the fact that back then Vince was hungry. Now yeah. he has the monopoly and he just, he'll do what he wants. Cause he's Vince McMahon. Um, but yeah, that, that rivalry was one of the longer rivalries. It produced a lot of great moments. It gets a lot of the headlines and everything else, but at the same time, there were ever other rivalries going on. And this is kind of where I wanted to get into it. So I dare say that at that point, the second best rivalry going on at the time was Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat. What do you remember about that rivalry? So here's the thing. And, uh, this is going to be a hot take. And a lot of people aren't going to like this. I didn't give a fuck about Macho Man this Ricky Steamboat. Did not care about that storyline at all. Shit. Really? Didn't give a, did not give two sweet fucks. Didn't care. Did not so, care. Ricky Steamboat. I hate saying it. Like he's a great wrestler. <laughs> great wrestler. Couldn't fucking care if he wrestled. Like if I ever saw a match. Did like for something about of a dead moth. Personnel, like he's well, like if if he if he was going down on uh down on the planet as a search party, he's wearing the red shirt. Like I don't care. Like he's just, oh shit. I just did not care about Ricky Steamboat. Even when he came back as the dragon and he blew fire and bullshit. oh that was crap. Did not care. Did not care. Okay, well let but, like, me original let... originally original Ricky Steamboat with when it was the whole Greg the Hammer or Greg fucking Valentine and and then it was <laughs> uh, George the Animal Steel like. Greg the Hammer Valentine, worst <laughs> blonde man in wrestling. Worst blonde man in wrestling. Don't care what anyone says. Oh. Generic blonde guy. Poor, like, don't understand why people have such a fondness for him. Don't care. Like, another guy just cannot, like, like look at him and he's just like, he doesn't look like he has anything. Like, you look at him and you just go, <laughs> you got no personality, you got no charisma, you got blonde hair, and you can do a figure for him. There's your, and he will call you the Hammer. Do you know he could what? have been replaced by any blonde guy. 
Do you know what made do you know what made his rep was the dog collar match and the rivalry with Roddy Piper? Yeah. Thanks, Piper. Thanks. Well, it was a good match. You should go back and watch it. Uh wasn't it that great? All right, so <laughs> I'm going to mention... Piper, if I do recall, Piper took most of the damage in that fight. No, they both Piper, did. They, yeah, they were Piper both a bloody mess. Piper put it over. Like when I'm he not going to argue about Piper. Piper is the man. I, like Absolutely, he put it over. But I'm just saying. Stop riding fucking Valentine's dick. Valentine, Valentine took his lumps. Who cares? Um, a lot of wrestlers took lumps. Why does he uh, get like... He's a, just... Rugged Ronnie Garvin was a better wrestler than Valentine. Oh my goodness, the Garvin oh, stop. Yeah. That's right. I said USA, it. USA, USA. There's another, there's another fucking generic blonde guy wrestler. The two generic blonde guys and was what, what one of the worst rivalries ever on television. Pulled no money. It was on yeah. Saturday night. Main no event. one gave a shit about turn that. the channel. You're right. You're that's when you yeah, go get right. the popcorn and take a whiz. Exactly. Um, they but were getting the back to, of the eighties, I'll put it that way. Getting back to getting back to Savage, <laughs> we won't we won't talk much about Savage and Steamboat, obviously because it didn't stick out to you. But there was there was one moment in that rivalry that really stuck out to me, and I think it stuck out in a lot of people. Aside from, of course, the WrestleMania three match, which is considered, you know, widely considered one of the top ten, if not five, wrestling matches of all time. Um. Do you remember when Savage attacked Steamboat with the with the with the uh, bell and put it and in his cr- throat, crushed it yeah. along his throat? Now back then, kayfabe, like we didn't know that everything was fake, you know. And I, I kind of mentioned before on previous podcasts where there was always those whispers, like you're, you know, you'd be watching wrestling with your dad, and your dad would be like, "Oh, that's fake, that's fake." He'd he'd ruin it on you. But you, as a as a seven and eight year old, you're like, "No, you don't know what you're talking about, old man. It's real." And I can remember that happening, mm-hmm. and I can remember Steamboat being away for a while, and I think he was legit injured in real life, not obviously not his throat but it was an injury. So it was a way to kind of write him off TV for a little while. And you legitimately thought he was hurt. And I like, when I say you, I I mean the generic you. Um, And then he kind of Savage would have matches with like George Steele and uh, Tito Santana and just wrestlers like that. And sometimes you'd see Ricky show up, but he, he, you know, he wasn't able to talk, but he'd be in their corner and then, you know, every now and then he'd give an interview and he'd kind of talk like this. And, you know, he'd, he'd really sell it for months. He sold it leading up to WrestleMania three. And that's what I remember out of that rivalry. And I remember as a kid, like thinking like he almost had his career injured. He's going to kill him at WrestleMania. Um, that you, like, that doesn't stick out to you at all. Like, no. Okay. Nope. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Nope. So like, again, I didn't care about that rivalry. I was all about Macho Man, and like I, 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 I understand that there was like that rivalry, but it was with Ricky Steamboat, and I'm just like Macho Man's gonna kill him. Like I just looked at Macho Man as the like a, the better wrestler, and Ricky Steamboat. Like don't get me wrong, I go back as a as an adult and watch WrestleMania three, and that match, and it's fucking bananas. It's everything a match should have been back then. Yep. And the ending, the ending was kind of weird, but but that's just the ending, right? Like that's they they had to like how else would you end that when you think yes. about it, right? 
so you just you know you kind of you know you have that and don't forget what we were like what eight nine years old ten something like that yeah seven eight something like that and like so we were our, our we we suspended that uh disbelief right so we were just like yeah that's how a match can end so like yeah it, it was just it's it, like back then it was a great psychology match like in ring psychology but when they the rest of the story that was on screen like yeah the whole injury and he went away but when he went away i didn't care like that's the thing i was like great savage hurt him he's gone i didn't <laughs> care if he came back i was okay. just mean oh, well, that's a yeah. that's a fair that's a fair take i just like i i was all about savage as well like i wasn't a huge savage fan but uh, like out of that rivalry it was definitely he was the guy that i was cheering for but um I don't know. It was just, it was kind of cool whenever Steamboat showed up and it's like, oh, are they going to finally, you know, they're going to finally throw down is, is Steamboat going to get his revenge here? And, you know, every, it, it kind of put some intrigue into the Intercontinental title as well, because, you know, normally if Savage is going to take on someone like George the Animal Steel, you know, Savage is going over. Like they're not going to put that title and even back then like you know we weren't smarks back then we were marks we were totally marks we didn't know the difference but back then it was like nah i, yeah, I just don't see him losing to somebody like george Steele or tito santana or whatever but then all of a sudden ricky steamboat would show up and you're like oh you know is he gonna cost savage the match could we see george Steele win the intercontinental title because you know uh, Ricky Steamboat does some fuckery or something, and it, it kind of mine. So it kind of put it kind of put some intrigue into it. Where on any given week, you know, maybe Savage loses to somebody. He didn't, but I'm just saying. Um, all right, we'll we'll move on because you don't even give a shit about that one. But here's a rivalry. I'm pretty sure you gave a shit about. Mm -hmm. Um. It was a little before this, but it was uh, one that stuck out for sure and still has a lasting impact when you listen to shoot interviews. The Honky Tonk Man and Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh yeah, Honky was a prick to Jake. Honky so, was a prick. I'll let you, since I rambled on about Steamboat and Savage, what do you remember about this rivalry and how it started? Well, I mean, how did the, how did the rivalry start? It was a snake pit. Uh, Jake was challenged, wanted, was, a you know, he was a face at the time and honky was the bad guy and Jake was on his you know, show interviewing. He had the honky tonk on and then it became like a pissing contest. I'm better than you, but yet we've never wrestled and I would beat you. And, you know, they were throwing barbs at each other. And then, you know, I, the, the, the segment is supposed to end and honky's supposed to, you know, stage left exit and. You know, Jake turns around and Honky comes in with the gimmicked guitar and just yes. fucking blasts him. And you don't even see the fucking guitar break. It just it just kind of dents a little. And you can look on Jake's face and you're like, oh, that really fucking hurts. Because that's not a, like even back then when I was a kid, I looked at that guitar and be like, that's not a fake guitar. That's a real guitar. <laughs> like that's not like with the plywood and the powder inside of where it explodes into a million splinters. That thing was pure fiberglass, and when he got hit, the sound it made was like you heard it the was guitar. A clunk. <laughs> like yep. it was bad, and yep. you know, and then that ends up hurting Jake, and then Jake gets hurt and can't wrestle for a little bit. So that basically ruined Jake's shot at being the Intercontinental Champ. 
So, so what I, yeah. So what, so basically like that, that episode of snake pit. So to kind of set the context there, Jake was just kind of new to being a baby face. Um, you know, he had come in as a heel, but the problem was, is that fans, you know, loved him immediately because of the gimmick, uh, you know, the snake gimmick and everything else. And people just loved to listen to him talk and he was just popular. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't hide it. Um, as the rumor goes, he was supposed to have a program with Hulk Hogan, uh, over the heavyweight championship. But the problem was, is that more people were cheering for Jake the snake than they were for Hogan. Um, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's wrestling lore. Um, and honky was just kind of turning into a bad guy at that time. Cause you remember he was the baby face and he wore the suspenders and that I think they even had a fan vote, like, you know, should honky go or should he stay kind of thing? And they voted for him to leave. And that was kind of the, the start for him to say, well, F you. Cause I, you know, I, all I did was, it was, it was almost similar to what the rock would do later. Um, all I did was bust my ass for you and you guys hate me. And so he turned into a bad guy. He got Jimmy Hart as a manager and um, they were on the snake pit and yeah, they were, they were trading insults and that. And um, uh, Jake was like, well, you know, you look like a stupid Elvis impersonator. You probably can't even play that guitar and sing. And then honky was about to sing a song and Jake put Damien in his face and honky ran off. Yeah. And that's then, what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then when Jake's like, he, it was weird because there was two entrances to the snake pit. So what happened was is Honky exited on the left and then he kind of went around in the back, grabbed and came a, out and came out to Jake's uh, uh, entrance, entrance where he comes down a little bit of, in through the little cave entrance there. Yeah, exactly. And smashed him in the back with, I'm sorry, a real guitar. Uh, I don't know how anyone can go back and look at that and say, no, that was gimmicked. He just, Jake took it wrong. Like, get out of here. Um, hit him with a, like a legit guitar shot several times, I might add. And, uh, yeah, that was a, a WrestleMania three payoff as well. Um, I can remember Jake had Alice Cooper in his corner yeah. <laughs> and they had honky go over. Which... How does Alice Cooper still look the same age as when he was back in WrestleMania? I don't like, know. I don't, I don't understand. Like. Back in WrestleMania, back when I saw him on WrestleMania, <laughs> don't know, man. He was this skinny, rail looking like he just, like he was, like he was a frightening looking guy, <laughs> and like just skinny, rail thin, looked like he was dying. And fast forward to 2023, guess what? He still looks like he's dying, but yeah, he still looks almost the same as he did yep. back then. He just does. a little more grizzled, with a little more hang, hanging loose skin. But that's it, because I mean, he was a he was a skeleton back then. Now all the skin is just falling off the bone. Like he's not <laughs> he's not holding together well. I he's getting leathered. The only thing I can say is that I mean, in the early going back in the sixties and that he cocaine's he a lived, hell of a drug. Well, he Cocaine lived the rock star life, but in the seventies he cleaned up and uh, you know he found religion and you know he's been clean for you know forty years. I, clean living i don't know man like i don't know but he uh, he made he made a deal <laughs> he made a deal <laughs> with someone. i don't know man but uh yeah that it was it was a weird ending because everybody wanted to see jake like jake was red hot at the time too and they still had a honky go over it was really weird it pays to be friends with hulk hogan and at that time 
uh, Wayne Ferris was a good friend of Hogan's, and that's what happens, I guess. Anyway. So that was interesting rivalry. It still kind of reverberates today because, you know, Jake will openly say that that's what started him down the road to substance dependency. And, you know, a lot of the times you say, well, that's just an excuse or whatever. But I think in that case, you could probably say, yep, I can definitely see that. Well, you know, when you get blasted, like, what is it, three times with a full fiberglass guitar and it, you know, destroys what two of your discs in your back and then yep. one in your neck. <laughs> like, And the fact that honky is not remorseful at all. And he says, you know, that it was gimmicked and that it was Jake's fault. Yeah, I can, I definitely. And considering what we now know about honky, all the other stories that have come out, you're like, you know, he did it on purpose. I don't see. Here's the thing. I don't think honky did it on purpose. I think he like legit made a mistake. He just doesn't want to admit to it. I don't think there was any intent there because you're risking paydays there. Like if he would have hurt Jake in a way that Jake wouldn't have been able to wrestle or that he would have had to retire or whatever, well then there goes a payday for honky because as I say, like Jake was red hot at the time. So they were going to draw. So I, I can't see him risking those paydays. I just think he messed up and he just doesn't want to admit to it. That's, that's my honest opinion. Yeah. Um, the other big rivalries kind of leading up to WrestleMania three. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of kind of smaller ones. Um, the, the Hart foundation and the British bulldogs. So at this point in time, Dynamite Kid can barely walk. Uh, the, the British Bulldogs are dropping the titles to the Hart Foundation. Uh, it's you know it's been very well documented at the time that uh, Dynamite Kid literally had to be carried down the had to be piggybacked down the ring by uh, Davy Boy Smith because he could not walk. Uh, they smash Dynamite Kid in the head early with the megaphone. He's laying on the outside. It's basically a handicap match. And they've got Danny Davis doing the fast count and the Hart Foundation win the titles. And they've, they kind of had that rivalry for a bit, but, uh, you know, Dynamite Kid couldn't wrestle. So I don't really even know if you count that as a rivalry. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. I mean, what was it? It lasted six months. Something like that. Yeah. I, 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 in all honesty, back then, I didn't think about tag team wrestling. I didn't really care about it. Other than the the female ones, the uh, angel diving bombs, because they were badass in the ring. I remember watching that that uh, tag team match with the who were they wrestling? I'm trying to even remember. I don't uh, even. I wasn't into women's wrestling at all back then. I wouldn't be able to tell you. But yeah, there was the <laughs> angel diving bombs. Where there, there was a team from Japan, and I can't remember who they wrestled. It was an American team, and they and the, the Japanese went over, which was like rare. I just remember that. Um, America, yeah. Well, yeah, it was kind of strange that that happened. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that was going on that I was into back then, like as far there as was, rivalries. Much. I'll just throw a few others at you. There was the whole Billy Jack Hayes versus Hercules. Oh, um, didn't give a shit about that. The only thing there is is that blood was rare back then. 
on superstars and that and and uh, i remember that was always a really bloody like anytime those two went at each other it felt real because they would just always like pound the shit out of each other see i remember the like when you're talking blood and being like you know gruesome i remember the uh billy was it uh brutus beefcake and was it blackjack yeah it was wrong bass bass. Billy and Spurs and he like ripped him. Yeah. Ripped him apart on his, on the face. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's uh, like that sticks out because it happened on superstars and it was a big thing. Do you remember the big cross, like the big censored cross going over it? Oh yeah. 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 That was right to censor back. Um, yeah. Law Ron Bass and Brutus Beefcake. Uh, there was also, that one sticks out just because of the violence, the blood, right? Other than that, I mean, it was a really horrible rivalry. It lasted two or three weeks. It lasted like that, that superstars. Then it went like a couple weeks where Brutus was like out legit because that's when he wrecked his face. Yep. And then fucking, uh, he came back and then it was a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam. I can't even remember where, where they had their blow off at. Well, I think at the at that point in time, uh, Outlaw Ron Bass was pretty much done in the WWF, and they had to bring Brutus back slowly because if you remember when he came back, he had the barber shop. They he wasn't wrestling right away. Yeah, yeah, because he like literally his face was like you know what was it? He took it was a parasailing accident, and someone's knees came up and crushed his skull basically. No, he put his face into a boat. He went flew into the side of a boat. I thought it was. <laughs> like, I thought it was the boat shifted or something and someone's knees came right up into his face oh no he was he was parasailing and he went into the boat face first okay at any rate his skull was wrecked and they had to yeah he had like plates and screws yeah yeah not good so um yeah that was was still a beefcake but he was still a beefcake he was still he had the (laughs) crazy mullet i remember the mullet was the was the big thing Remember when it was him and uh, Blonde Man as a tag team? The Dream Team. Fucking horrible team. One of my favorite tag teams. Yeah, you're lame. (laughs) Then there was the new Dream Team with Valentine and Dino Bravo. Ugh. Even worse. Ugh. Dino (laughs) Bravo. What a horrible wrestler he was. You didn't like Dino Bravo? I hate Dino Bravo. The Canadian strongman. Yeah, I could. Listen, Canadian or not, he was an embarrassment. That's all I'll say. And he was a legit gangster. Yeah, and he died because of this. Yep. Oh. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> so I can't really think of any other ones leading into WrestleMania 3. I mean, there were there were a bunch. Like, there was the natural Butch Reed and uh, uh, I don't even remember who he was feuding with. Wasn't that like Coco Beware? And then there was uh, King Harley Race and Junkyard Dog, and there was just kind Again, of a bunch of those. Here's the thing: I I hate saying it. This is not a good take on on wrestling at all. But Junkyard Dog, like, what the fuck was that? Here's the weird thing about the Junkyard Dog: he was insanely over before he got to the WWF. Yeah, it's, I don't understand there's, it. There's these there's this group of wrestlers that I just don't get, like. He had some charisma, but I didn't see anything special. It's kind of the same thing with Dusty Rhodes. Like, why was he so over? There's like the, Again, 
these are hot takes. Obviously, we're gonna get like if, if people are actually gonna listen to this, we're gonna get some hate because like Dusty's beloved. Dusty's beloved. I know. I don't get it. But but I'm in the I'm in the same boat as you. Like I wasn't a big you know I didn't like the polka dots. I hated Sapphire. Well, even hope... before that though, like he like when he was yeah, we didn't flare in that. Yeah, but he, like back then we didn't know about that really, other until we got older and read about it in magazines and shit, right? I know, but what what I'm trying to say is like he when he came to the WWF he was being punished like that was that was Vince's way of like putting the polka dots on him and they're yellow polka dots and you know you can't beat our our prices but you can beat our meat and all that stuff and oh he's a he's a plumber fishing shit out of toilets and stuff and that was that was him pun being punished but I'm talking about like even before I don't understand like why he was so friggin' popular he was just this fat dude that you know talked with a lisp and. I just was it because he was an everyman. Like I, I don't understand. Like Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair. How he's just are, a common man. How is Dusty Rhodes the guy that's over in that rivalry? I don't get it. Well, like the dude couldn't lace Ric Flair's boots. I just I don't understand. Oh, uh, see now here's the thing. I'll here's I'll, I'll give it to you. Like I have a lot of contempt for wrestlers that don't do well in the ring. Like obviously Greg Hammer Valentine. Um, <laughs> But like Dusty, Dusty for his size was so unbelievably agile. Like I remember even watching him, but like I didn't like him. But like I'm like that big man can move. Like he can move. Yeah. Like he was like Bam Bam Bigelow style. Like back in his Bigelow heyday. could friggin' move. Bigelow could Bigelow move. could move too. Yeah, I'm like uh, I'll I'll give Bigelow that. Like Bigelow was just a new, a really just a younger Dusty when you think about it. Um. But Bigelow came off as a badass monster, the beast from the east. And, you know, then when he got to ECW, he, re- he you know, he revitalized his career with the, the triple threat. And they were the they were the, the shit back in ECW. But like, like I said, I don't get the whole uh, like I, I look at Dusty like, yeah, the man can move and whatnot. But like the appeal, like what brought like, what would draw you towards him? I didn't guess. Like, you know, dancing with the nightstick when he's feuding with the boss, man. <laughs> All bullshit. I'm just like, ah, I just, you know, that stupid cowbell song. Go, 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 go. It just drove me bananas. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's it's a weird one. Um, we, we were getting off topic there. So we'll we'll go into kind of the lead up for WrestleMania 4. We, we should kind of move on here. Um, the same, the same the same thing uh some of the rivalries were kind of the same yeah uh like the hogan and andre thing was continuing into wrestlemania 4 um you had i'm trying to think of the other rivalries there was there was bam bam and one man gang um it, it was kind of a weird time for rivalries i think leading up to wrestlemania 4 because i can only ever remember hogan and andre and i don't know if there's anything that's bam bam and one man gang as i mentioned because it's like oh you're a big guy and you're a big guy you should have a rivalry um i don't really remember many other ones during that time was that no, because when... Wrestle... well wrestlemania was four was the whole debacle of the... they had to have the tournament the tournament so there, there was no real rivalry build up to that. It was all around the tournament and who's going to be the next champ. So that makes sense. That's the only rivalry we really remember because it was in the tournament. 
So. I'm trying to remember. There's a few rivalries in there too. Like I remember when Million Dollar Man and Jake the Snake got into it, and I don't know if it's that time. Um, and there was a, there was kind of a few others, but yeah, nothing sticks out except for Hogan and Andre. That's what it was all about. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of became a, a Hogan and Savage versus uh andre and million dollar man was kind of the big one after that you still had i promise mr dibiase i will nap out but even even after that it was like you remember the mega bucks and the mega powers and uh that rivalry still went on for another i totally forgot about that until now like i mean they still milked like another year out of that rivalry yeah and then Um, it was then it was the mega powers explode which was the big rivalry that was the big rivalry uh, so you had, there was a lot of little ones in there before that, that happened though. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember what sticks out there. In all honesty, nothing really sticks out to me. I mean, what was it? It would have been back then. A it lot was, of them blur. Uh, a lot of the stuff blurs together. Well, that's the thing. Like when you're trying to go back with rose cover rose colored glasses and try to remember all the good stuff. It's like, I don't really remember a lot of good stuff in like WrestleMania three, four, even five. Like, uh, well, the mega powers would have been your, your big yeah, one. There. That would be the big blow off. Right. Like it was always like, it always seemed to hang on, uh, mega Hogan powers, and somebody Hogan. Yeah. It was always Hogan and someone. And that, and like, that's where I started. It started getting a little stale for me. And then, you know, then Taker showed up, and that's when everything picked back up for me. I was back into it when Taker really was a big thing in wrestling. Uh, some okay, so we'll we'll kind of some of the highlights that I can remember from back then. I'll just kind of throw a few feuds at you and see what you think. Um, Hogan versus Zeus, you remember that one? Oh, I hated that. That was like, did you buy it when you were a kid? Yep. Yeah. I thought it was kind of silly that they didn't, they could have done more with it. I think in terms of like why it's happening. Uh, do you remember the reasoning was, is that Zeus thought he should beat Hogan in the movie. And that was kind of dumb. Yeah. They should have. And I get it. Cause your target audience is like eight, nine year olds. And you know, maybe they're not um, mature enough to understand a more complex storyline, but it's, it's like, okay. So they were in a movie and the good guy went over the bad guy. Like, of course, uh, maybe they, they should have had it. Like maybe that Hogan hurt Zeus during the filming or something weird. Like, I just thought it was weird, but they built up Zeus pretty good. Like he was terrifying as, as a kid. Like, I'm not saying I was quaking in my boots, but they made him a pretty imposing force. And if you remember like the interviews on the brother love show and uh, there was the cage match with Hogan, I think it might've even been Hogan and Bundy at the time. And you remember Zeus, you no, know, it was Hogan and boss man, I think. And Zeus came out and uh, he went in and he just like destroyed Hogan. And that was kind of the lead up to uh, SummerSlam. Um you know, and you didn't realize as a kid, like Zeus only knew like two moves, like basically a body slam. And then he did that, that weird, like double ax handle over the, the neck. You remember he used to do that all the time. 
Yeah, it was horrible. He'd like, just was, take like, the two the two knife chops on the side of the sides well, of Hogan's was, he neck. Well, he had his he had his metal bangles on, and he'd smash them on the trapezius area. Yes, as Gorilla, yes. As Gorilla Monsoon would so eloquently put, the trapezius, and that's that's so devastating. <laughs> like, it would always drop up. Hogan. Yeah, it would always drop him. But he, I mean, he was an intimidating looking dude. So you you kind of bought it in a way. Um, so there, there was kind of there was always that hogan dibiase thing was kind of always simmering in the background as well and you remember like dibiase trying to buy the belt off of hogan and that's kind of what started the whole it was almost like hogan was just had a number of feuds leading up to the to the macho man one and there was yeah. all these little feuds kind of he feuded with boss man there for a little while. Uh, he feuded with, as I said, million dollar man. Andre was always kind of in the background. Uh, Paul Orndorff was still there because, you know, Orndorff turned on him a while ago. Um, you know, there was a boss man. The twin towers were, were in there as well. And yeah, it was just everything revolved around Hogan at that time. It was crazy. No one really cared about anything else. That's true. Um, in terms of tag teams, you had like Demolition was feuding with Powers of Pain. They brought in the Powers of Pain, who was the knockoff of a knockoff. So you kind of had that thing going. Um, <clears throat> I don't even see. I think the... they missed the boat with Powers of Pain. They really did. Eh, I wasn't. Imp- I never liked them. A much buffer version of Demolition. Come on. They just, I didn't buy it, man. I, I, I just like demolition. I don't know. Oh, don't get me wrong. I was a fucking demolition mark too. Big guys and leather jet, leather suits, just constructed like as much as we hate to admit it now, but back then it was gimp wear, but we didn't know. And <laughs> it just looked badass back just then. Just looked badass as a kid. And, uh, you know, then they pull the masks off and have that, the crazy painted faces. Like that was epic. Like, you know, it, it, t- it tapped into our, you know, evil superhero comic book type, you know, uh, yep. vein of things. So I was I, all I for agree. it. So I was, I love like Demolition and uh, the Powers of Pain. Um, was It was an okay rivalry for, for tag teams. I really liked, I hate saying it, but like the Beverly Brothers, man. I love the Beverly Brothers. That was more in the 90s though. But like that was my team. Do you want to know why? Because they were, they were originally the minnesota wrecking crew yeah i get it i they could wrestle man they i i went back and i was watching like old school old school wrestling a couple nights ago i got really elevated i overserved myself one night and i had to i had to hide away in my hidey hole um and i got i came up here and it was like three in the morning and i was just watching wrestling and i started going down the old just looking up old tag teams and i found the beverly brothers i'm like oh that's wayne the train bloom and uh, Mike Sharp and I was like this is great and I'm all for it and then I started watching them like given their finishing maneuver they legit killed people oh my god their finishing maneuver I can't even remember what it was called but their finishing maneuver was absolutely devastating I remember watching it going like I don't remember seeing this as a kid but like going back and watching some of the old house shows where people were like these, these guys are over here killing people and it looked That's... legit like that yeah, you you don't really remember it because that was kind of in that dead era of the like the early nineties. Yeah, with, I need uh, to find out what their finishing maneuvers called. 
with all their like with all the bad gimmicks and stuff that's when i kind of tuned out a little bit but that's why that's probably why you don't really remember the beverly brothers too well because the early 90s wwf was kind of a mess okay um, i'm gonna i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna send you a clip of this fucking finisher because it's ridiculous <laughs> i want you to watch but, it and then and it's gonna be bananas and you're gonna pop and you're gonna be like holy shit he's dead because like i watched it like seven times and i'm like this this doesn't make sense to me god where is it anyway so continue to talk while i try to find this yeah so that's way off topic but uh yeah, so I mean, everything centered around Hogan. All the rivalries seemed to to kind of center around him. Um, I don't even remember who the Intercontinental, where that kind of was right then. I, I believe that was Warrior. Uh, Warrior was kind of starting to come in, and you know, he took the Intercontinental title off of uh, off of Honky. I just sent that to you. Okay. Uh, so the, you know, it was warrior and I think warrior and rude had a pretty good feud though. What do you, what were your memories? Oh, of warrior, warrior, feud? warrior and, uh, and rude, that feud is amazing because wasn't it, uh, well, actually let's go before the warrior and rude. Wasn't there a warrior and Jake, the snake feud? There was a rude. No, that no, was later. Uh, rude and, and Jake, the snake. Rude well, and that Jake. was later. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll stick with, we'll stick with uh warrior and rude. That was great because, uh, that's where Warrior lost because Keaton's interference and Rude took the title off him. That was an amazing heel run because it made Rude look badass, but Rude loved playing the the fucking cocky heel, but he would run away. And like that, I like that because he was just like trying to lure him in, into traps all the time. I love that feud. That feud was amazing. It was a good feud and it was believable because Rude was so like there wasn't a lot of people with the same physique as the ultimate warrior. Like he was jacked all to hell. And while he was, you know, obviously a bigger guy than rude, rude was jacked as well. So it was kind of like, if anyone, you just, if you saw the two of them together, you're like, okay, I can, I can believe that that could be a feud. Oh yeah, for sure. You remember they had the pose down. Um, Oh yeah. And, and fucking, uh, uh, Rude had to really hit him with the fucking thing so he would go down because he wasn't selling it. Exactly, and that that's one of my favorite, uh, like one of my favorite shoot interviews is you know you'd learn years later that uh, that when there, there's a point when Bobby Heenan sprays Rude, uh, sprays Warrior in the face with the baby oil, and Warrior's supposed to go down, and that's when Rude um, is supposed to you know in the storyline hit him with the with the pose down bar. Mm-hmm. and you know as the as the story as the rumors go rude was extremely meticulous very professional so if plans were written down you followed them and if you didn't then rude would be pissed well rude would make you follow them he, exactly <laughs> and the, warrior wouldn't sell it like he didn't sell it when he was being sprayed and as the you know listening to uh to um what's his face bruce uh I can't think of his last name. Pritchard. Pritchard. Yes. Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard tell the story. Warrior's getting sprayed in the face and he's like drinking the shit and he won't go down and he's like warrioring out. 
and he's doing his thing. And so, you know, Rude took the, the pose bar and, and legit smashed him over the head with it. So that warrior would go down. And then in the backstage area, warrior confronted him about it and Rude simply knocked him out. Like one of yeah. the best. Yeah. Just, I love that story. And I remember as a kid, like I liked Rude. Uh, just because he was the cool cocky heel, but I always kind of thought that he just looked the part. Like I didn't realize he was like a legit badass in real life. I had no idea back then. Yeah, no, I like we didn't. We just were like, wow, he's cool because he's a an asshole. Exactly. He's, he's making people angry, and we like it because you know that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to piss off our parents. We couldn't. But I mean, I, I like. Beat. When he was feuding with Jake, now I was team Jake because Jake the Snake was one of my favorite wrestlers back in the day. And that's the next feud I want to get into because um, there's a really funny story from a shoot interview from that feud as well. So Jake the Snake um, started bringing his wife Cheryl on the road as, as uh, you know, it was a, I guess behind the scenes, it was a way to try to, you know, salvage Keep the Jake marriage. Straight. They and were having Jake problems. Straight. Yeah, and keep Jake straight. They were having problems. Jake was, you know, had his demons and everything else. And someone came up with the idea somewhere. Well, you know, maybe your wife can accompany you um, on the road. And she can be kind of like a valet or whatever. And, um, you know, they were doing the Jake-Rick thing. And they used her as the plant in the audience. And... Uh, you know, Rude used to do this thing where he would uh, give a Rude Awakening to a fan after the match. And Rude Awakening was that he would kiss, uh, like, a girl in the audience, basically. And He would sexually chose... assault a woman. In exactly. The well, no, they had to be willing. They had to commit, you know, they would, they would ask them if they'd come into the ring and receive the Rude Awakening. It wasn't like he went into the audience and grabbed them and yanked them in the ring. They agreed to it. He yanked um, them in the ring. <laughs> So, so this one time it was Cheryl Roberts and, uh, you know, announced to Rick Rude and, uh, you know, he, he, uh, went up to her and said, you know, do you want to get the Rude awakening in the ring? And she said, no. And basically she was here with her husband and it was Jake the snake. And then Rude didn't like that. And he grabbed her and then Jake came out and that's how the feud was kind of born. So they kind of feuded over over Cheryl Roberts. And if you remember, Rude used to have Cheryl's face printed on his tights. Oh yeah. That means Jake real and angry. <laughs> so they, they kind of did this. That was a great feud too. And it was a believable feud. Um, but one of the stories from that feud, and I just heard it not long ago. Um, <clears throat> Jake used to have, I mean, there's going to be a lot of politically incorrect information here but whatever jake used to have these side pieces <laughs> before cheryl went on the road with him um and he'd have you know several ones in several cities and there was this one time they were i don't know what city they were in but they were somewhere and jake had this girl with them and uh, of course you know she happened to be very attractive and they uh bobby heenan and and rude kind of approached jake that night and said you know let's just go with her as the plant like these women were plants that that rude would give the rude awakening to it wasn't like literally uh -huh. random fans in the audience 
Um, so they just said this one night, like, why don't we just use, you know, why don't we just use your, your friend there, Jake? Like, it'll make things easy. We won't have to go up and ask people or figure out who it is tonight. We can just, you know, cause it takes time. So this girl didn't really want to at first and Jake kind of talked her into it and, uh, okay. You know, it's a way for you to get on camera, you know, it'll, it'll be fun. So sure enough, she goes out and she sits in a spot in the, in the audience and Rick Rude has his match and they call her into the ring and she comes in and, uh, you know, Rude gives her the big, the big kiss. And if you remember, Rude used to kind of lay them down in the ring when he was done. Yeah. And he'd stand and, over them and thrust the old, do the old gyration. His, exactly. So as he's lowering her down, she says to him, that's a present from Jake. And Rude's like, what? So what they had found out is that she gave Jake a blowy in the back just before going out into the audience and getting the Rude awakening from Rude. <laughs> so literally, nice literally from Jake's crank to Rude's mouth <laughs> in like a matter of minutes. I guess Rude was pretty upset. Yeah, it's pretty funny actually such a good rib but having the balls to do that if you're jake like because again rude had quite a reputation like you just i don't think jake him. gave a fuck about anything no <laughs> no um so <laughs> that's what sticks out in that feud now to me like years later before it was always like oh cheryl roberts like she's kind of the middle of it but uh, hearing that story, that's that's one of my favorite stories. Um, was there any kind of rivalries like, just before we get into the 90s here that you can remember as kind of wrap up the 80s? Um, not really. I mean, that's those are pretty much the major ones that I remember. I mean, there's like, I'm trying to remember, there's like the whole million dollar man Virgil or is that the nineties too? That's the, I think that's getting into the nineties. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's those, but like, yeah, nothing in the eighties really sticks out other than those really major ones. Um, because you know, that's all we really cared about back then when we were kids. So as we kind of get into the, well, there's, there's one last one in the late eighties that kind of bugs me. Um, <clears throat> It was the program with Hogan and Mr. Perfect. So Mr. Perfect comes in. Kurt Hennig, uh, my favorite wrestler of all time, full disclosure. Um, he comes in. He's got monster heat behind him as he comes in because he's kind of this cool, cocky heel. He can wrestle. He can talk. Uh, he can do it all. And he comes in, and there was this infamous uh episode of saturday night's main event you know what i'm going to talk about here so it's hogan versus the genius and at this time the genius was kind of hanging out with mr perfect kind of a weird duo but whatever um the genius for those who are not in the know is leaping lanny poffo brother of randy the macho man savage um he was finally getting over as as opposed to being kind of the squash the enhancement talent for years you know, he kind of did his thing where he would throw his Frisbees and he'd be in the main event on like Maple Leaf Wrestling and shit like that. The the B, the B uh, episodes. Um, 
he's finally starting to gain some traction. He, you know, he, as he says in his own interviews, he started taking some steroids, started getting a bit of a, a physique, and uh, he had this gimmick as the genius. Uh, so he's taking on Hulk Hogan this particular night. And everyone's kind of like, oh, this is basically a glorified squash match that you'd see on superstars. Like, no way he has any chance. And, you know, Hogan's beating the piss out of him. And uh, all of a sudden, Kurt Hennig shows up. And he grabs Hogan's belt and he says into the camera, this is not a perfect champion and this is not a perfect belt until it's around my waist. And it's like, Oh yeah. I can remember as a kid, like being, yeah. And then the genius beats Hogan via count out, um, which was a big deal. Cause you rarely saw Hogan lose like under any circumstance, you rarely saw Hogan lose. It was always Hogan, you know, he's starting to lose. He hulks up. He beats the shit out of the other guy. He drops the leg. He wins the belt. He poses. That was pretty much the tried and true formula at the time. Uh, but the genius won this match. And then in the backstage area, they show the genius. And uh, he's talking to Mean Gene. And while he's talking to Mean Gene, Mr. Perfect has the belt on the floor and he's smashing it with a hammer. And legit smashing it into pieces and saying, you know, I'm going to follow you to every arena that you go to, Hogan, and I'm going to destroy every belt until you give me a shot at the title. Do you remember this stuff? Like, do you remember that rivalry? Uh, yeah, I do recall the smashing the belt because that was a Saturday night main event, was it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do As recall I said, that. That was, the, that was the Saturday night's main event where the genius went over Hogan. Yeah. So I, I recall that, but as far as like the, the whole rivalry, like not, not really, because I don't think it was given the amount of time it needed because it was like it two wasn't. weeks and then it was like, a, then Hogan beat him, I think, wasn't it? Basically. Yeah. It just kind of simmered away. Like it wasn't many people kind of look back and they think, you know, maybe it was time to pass the title on. But the problem was that Hennig was kind of one of those, he had that build that was kind of in between. Like he was kind of the, 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 the Shawn Michaels, uh, Bret Hart kind of, kind of wrestler, but it was too soon. And it was not the type of wrestler that Hogan was used to facing. Um, Hogan was used to facing like the big monsters, uh, Savage being the, the, uh, the exception at the time, but, um yeah he just he didn't have that look that you know that hogan thought should be able to compete with him so it never really went anywhere there was never a title match that i can recall uh there might have been on some house shows and i think hogan like squashed him on the loop um there was that big match with the genius and mr perfect versus hogan and warrior i don't know if you remember that one um but yeah, it never really went anywhere. And the, the reason why it pisses me off is I would have liked to have seen like a full blown, like more attention put to it. Cause the lead up I thought was great. But it sounds yeah, like you it don't was even a, really remember it. it. In all honesty, all I remember is like the Saturday night main event thing. I don't remember the aftermath. Like I don't even remember the, the match that Hogan beat him. Like I don't remember it at all. Yeah. Cause did, was it, was I, it again, a pay-per-view? 
No, again, like they never really had that payoff match. It just mm. they kind of did it on dark, like on not dark shows, but they kind of did it on house shows. And I guess the the story goes is that it didn't draw money, so I guess they just decided to to drop it. Now, but here's the thing: is it is it because Hogan didn't get into the act into the act at all? Like he didn't put anything into it. Like I don't even remember Hogan dignifying anything with like a really big interview other than the interview after you smash my belt. Now I'm going to smash you. And that's, that's really all I remember. It was like, wasn't like, there's no after, after the, the event Heath, like, you know I mean? You didn't see like, if you're going to run like a, a program like that, it should have been like, they should have recorded like vignettes at those house shows where you see, you know, Hogan or, uh, Henning go out and steal the title and break another title, like keep destroying belts, because that would have been amazing. The belt destroyer, you yeah, know, exactly. coming in and, and, and taking taking the belt away from uh, Hogan every night and smashing it every time he's in a new city, which would be amazing. And then you know, finally have payoff of you know maybe perfect wins by disqualification. He doesn't get the title, but you know he he gets one over on Hogan, and then the the big match, right? But apparently it just didn't draw like that feud just didn't draw. And, and like you said, I, I think it was just the, it just wasn't handled properly. And uh, that one always pissed me off. Even as a kid that pissed me off. Cause I, you know, again, big Hennig Mark. So, um, so we'll get into to kind of the nineties now as we, we kind of have to move along. Um, and I know the ones that you're going to say, so we'll, we'll kind of talk about the ones leading into the attitude era. Cause I want to spend a little bit of time in the attitude era, uh, leading into the attitude era. I know that, um, the undertaker and mankind is a big one. So I'll let you kind of take that. Well, one. let's, let's go before that, like, uh, leading into the, like before the attitude era, like, don't forget about the taker warrior slash jake feud yeah because that was like a three-way right go go ahead what do you what do you got on that one so essentially my one of my favorite feuds was that because taker was you know going after macho and jake was and jake was or i guess i'm sorry it was jake going after macho because that was like the wedding from hell was it was a match made in heaven match the cobra the cobra the cobra the whole thing like so like you have to go back and you got to look at that like jake coming out with the king cobra pinning pinning fucking uh henning in the ropes and then making it or savage henning, fucking savage pinning him in in the uh the ropes and then making the cobra bite him and like i remember there's a there's an episode of the rogan podcast where jake is talking about getting that uh getting that to happen and how you know macho made him get bit cold in the fucking locker room before he would you know maybe it is maybe like you know maybe it's maybe it doesn't have poison anymore maybe it does i'm gonna make you but you let it bite you first and then if i see you don't die i'll let you do it to me in the ring and uh, and so jake was pissed about that and then what happened was in the in the ring like he's like how am i going to get this fucking snake angry to bite him because like it's, it's pretty docile really it was like a, it was a hand handled snake so it wasn't like super aggressive so if you go back and you watch the match with or you watch the incident on superstars fucking jake paintbrushes the shit out of the cobra twice and it goes like <sighs> and he's like all right here we go i got him mad enough and then that's when he launches onto 
to Savage. And then he's like, he's shaking the snake to make it even bite digger or bite uh, deeper. And fucking, uh, you know, Savage is screaming because like it really hurts, obviously, because it's a real snake really biting you. So yes, of course. And I, I remember the I remember the blood and they were doing the sensor thing again where they put the big red X up on the screen. And that was a big thing. And, you know, people in the, you know, and kids in the in the crowd crying because it's real. Parents yep. were pissed, you know, and, and, and like that's that's hilarious because, you know, like that, that's that's that really happened. And then fast forward to, you know, he's going after uh, he's going after Macho Man and Elizabeth and he does the whole uh, invade the, the reception. And then uh, there's this time where it was uh, Macho Man was wrestling someone and they were coming through the back of the ring and Jake had a chair and he's going to smash them. And then the undertaker got involved. So there's that one. So like the Jake undertaker match was like that, that rivalry could have been a lot more, but if you remember it fizzled just kind of like the Hogan Henning thing where they had a couple matches or they had a couple of uh, things up to that. And then fucking, you know, uh, two or three weeks later, it was like, Fucking! I think it. I don't think it was a summer. I think it was SummerSlam where Taker uh, tombstone Jake on the outside of the ring because Jake was going to hold up. It was trying to hold up Vince for more money, and uh, in the back. Yeah, and that so was the, what the finish, happened. Yeah, the finish was was you go out, you take the you take the tombstone on the uh, on the the concrete, and you you're done. You're gone. Leave, leave, and that's what happened. Yeah. And that, so you know was... that that was unfortunate. That was a really that could have been a much better rivalry. So there's two incidences that I I'm well, one incidence was, was a little, you, you mentioned it, but you didn't go into too much detail it was, uh, it was when Savage and Elizabeth were coming into the back. And at this point, Undertaker and Jake were kind of on a team. Cause it's like, okay, they're yeah, two dark exactly. forces and Undertaker was becoming massively popular here. Um, and I remember Jake holding the chair and saying, whichever one of them comes back first is going to get it. And it happened to be Elizabeth. Yeah. And as soon as she came back, uh, he wound the chair up and all of a sudden you see these hands come out and grab the chair. And then all of a sudden the chair comes down on Jake's back and Jake goes down and then they pan up to, to, you know, who had the chair and it was undertaker and he's just standing there staring. Yeah. Um, that was the, that was the big one. And then if you remember, like, I think it was the week after, um, on the funeral parlor, which was, uh, Paul Bear's talk show, they had Jake, the snake and undertaker and Jake is saying, whose side are you on? Like, like, you know, Oh yeah. And he slams the hand in the, in the, yeah. And undertaker, 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 yeah, totally like, not yours. And then he, uh, <laughs> excuse me jake takes the urn and throws it in the coffin and undertaker goes to take it out of the coffin and jake slams the the coffin down on undertaker's hand and locks it and then beats the shit out of him because one of his hands is locked in the in the casket and then undertaker gets up and starts dragging the casket after him yeah that was yeah, that badass was really cool. yeah that was really cool that's when taker was the the shit for me I, as soon as taker was on the screen i was a taker fan yeah. So you remember like Jake would smash him down like four or five times and yeah, everyone's like, that, that's the end of the Undertaker. And then he'd just get up again and just methodically walk after him carrying this casket. Yeah. I remember Heenan. He's not fucking real. He's not. Heenan. <laughs> yeah. 
as as always he you know heenan sold it so well um one of the other things i was gonna mention uh mm. i can't believe i got this rivalry was when uh sean michaels turned on marty Janetti on the barbershop one of my favorite moments of all time the funny thing was is that rivalry didn't last very long and that's probably why i kind of forgot about it but the build-up to it with that episode, anyone that's that's listening to this, if you haven't seen When Michaels Turns on Marty Jannetty, go watch it. It's one of the best, uh, you know, well-done scenes because everybody involved is just on their A-game. Bobby Heenan's on his A-game and commentary. Um, you know, like everybody just sold it so well. I won't get into it because the, the rivalry didn't last very long. I, I think Marty Jannetty was having some, some substance abuse problems. So they kind of, they didn't really, Jannetty I think was gone not long after. So I don't know what's going on there at your house, but. Uh, it's the ghost. <laughs> but that, that rivalry was kind of a missed opportunity. I think it didn't last very long. Um. But yeah, I think one of the, the one of the bigger ones just for uh, for time's sake here was Undertaker and Mankind. So I'll just set it up for you, and you can take it. Um, you know, Mick Foley so, was. I have a hot take on this. I have a hot. Yeah, take. go ahead. Hot take. Go ahead. I here's the thing: the the feud between Mankind and the Undertaker. Um, considering how long it lasted. Like when it first started, it was great because it was, you know, Taker versus uh, Mankind. Mankind teams up with Paul Bear. How many matches did Taker and, under, and Mankind have? They a had lot. a few. They had a yeah, few. Yeah, there was you know? the Boiler Room Brawl, which was like, that was like mind blowing back then because it was like, you know, fighting in the back, watching people get put through like wooden pallets and jumping off the top of things. Kind of ECW-esque, which was, you know, he was, you know, Vince was, you know, gleaming some uh, ideas from other other promotions. Um, that match, like the, the thing that made that match the best thing was Mankind and the way he interviewed and the way he spoke about The Undertaker. You're just, you're just someone who, you know, always had someone pulling your strings. You don't know how to be without having Paul Bearer in your corner, that type of thing. You're always, you know, that type of, like, that, like, that's kind of where it was for me. Like, it was kind of like that. But, like, that Boiler Room Brawl was really good. Um, the Mankind, uh, I think there was another match between them that, you know, kind of was, like, a fizzled. It wasn't great. It wasn't a great match. I think it was, like, a it wasn't Survivor Series. I think it was, like, a, a SummerSlam match. I'm trying to remember. They had a few kind of, un, like, forgettable ones, I guess. Yeah. But That's I mean, like, so if, 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 you, if you just go, if you look through the mythos of Taker versus Mankind in the 90s, the antithesis is it goes like, it starts with, you know, the, the Boiler Room Brawl, then it goes into like a hardcore style match. And then, you know, Taker and Mankind have always had a decent mid-card rivalry. Um, where it peaked was Hell in a Cell, as we all know. That's... That's, you know, where, what pretty much made Mankind famous in WWE was that match. Like, he was, he was famous for, you know, the hardcore style and when he came in on the scene and whatnot. But that match between Taker and, and Mankind is what everyone remembers. Now, 
I do believe we watched that live, if I'm trying to remember. I watched it live at, at yep. a bar called Pals Pals. And I, th- I, was, I think we were together. I think we I think I think it was like uh, me, you, Hack, my ex girlfriend. Uh, I think they were like they were. We were all there, just sitting there, just wanting to watch this. And then I remember when he came out and he started climbing the cage, and we're, I'm just like, "This is not going to be good." Mick is fucking insane. I don't think this. I don't think this is a good idea. This is a real bad idea. And then you know, <laughs> the first five minutes of the match happens, and what happens is Taker comes out with a broken foot. I might add, we didn't know this at the time. No, we didn't. And he climbs the cage with a broken foot, and then proceeds to throw Mick Foley, aka Cactus Jack, aka Do Love, off the top of the fucking row, uh, off the the cage, and he goes through an announce table. So like that rivalry, just for for pain alone and and just the the willingness to sacrifice your bodies is an amazing rivalry. I look at that as probably one of the greatest rivalries in wrestling, other than, you know, if you get into like more of the Stone Cold Vince, Stone Cold Rock, you know, and then of course there's the the Bret Hart, Sean bullshit. Like there's so much in the 90s because that's when wrestling really had its renaissance, right? It came back. It was the cool it thing to do yeah you know all thanks to the nwo type thing right because the nwo was the big thing and wrestling started to become cool again and then raw was competing with nitro like that whole monday night war thing is it that that basically spook, uh, sparked wrestling to be like the mecca and then you know and, but every like if you go back and you look through the years of, of wrestling it always happens it's it gets old stale then it becomes popular again then it falls off and it comes super popular again so there's always ebbs and flows of wrestling. So like that's what I think I like about wrestling is like even though it's not cool anymore, people still watch it because you know they still think it's cool, and then it becomes a big thing, and then you get to brag, well I've been a fan since for 25 years. I've always <laughs> known wrestling yeah. is cool, that type of shit, right? You get to become a gatekeeper. So like I completely, I I get it. I get the whole like tribalism of of wrestling, but that 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 fucking rivalry was probably one of my favorites. What do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And the, the other thing that sticks out about that, aside from the Hell in the Cell match, um, was the fact that this, like, Mankind was a guy that actually went over The Undertaker on a few occasions. And if you look at Undertaker's other feuds, uh, especially up to that point, I mean, The Undertaker had kind of blown through everybody. Uh, you know, you remember he had a feud with Hogan. Well, he took the title off of Hogan. Like that was something like, holy shit. Like, I can't believe that yeah. happened. Um, any feud that he had up to that point, he was the guy that went over. And finally here was a guy that, you know, maybe was just as much on the dark side as he was. And here's somebody that can kind of match his psychology, like that dark psychology that he had and under and mankind beat him a few times like I, I think to this day mankind still has the most career victories over the undertaker amongst anyone else obviously it's all decided and predetermined but the fact that they put that kind of faith in this character to be able to go over the undertaker on numerous occasions uh, always stuck out to me and i think to this day he's still kind of the the only rivalry that the undertaker 
has had where it felt kind of equal. No, I, I agree. I, I completely agree. Like, man, like Taker was like the big bad, big evil, as they say. There's and, kind of, and... there's kind of not like you look at most rivalries and you say, okay, this guy went over this other guy, like clearly in that rivalry. Uh, but in this one, you're kind of like, uh, I don't know which one really got the better of that rivalry. Well, yeah, it was. You could you could call it a stalemate because they were both the big bads in 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 the WWE at that point in time. Like that, they were the they were the the measuring stick to how much pain can you endure in a match. Like, do you remember the Mankind Rock match where he got hit in the head? Fucking the 12, 12 unanswered. I have my hands tied behind my back headshot. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy one too. Um, here's a hot take for you. Okay. Steve Austin, the rock never mm-hmm. really liked that feud. Never really was it, got into it. Here's the only thing I liked about that feud. And this is this, the only standout moment for that feud that I give a shit about is all I remember was we were all together watching Monday night raw and it was rock in the ring. And then Stone Cold pulls in his truck, blasting Back in Black by ACDC. And yep. we all popped because it was like Austin's talking shit about The Rock. He's just out there just, you know, making Rock's life miserable. And we all loved it. But we all knew Austin's going to win that match. There's no way Rocky is going to lose the Intercontinental Championship. Like, you knew Rocky was going to lose the Intercontinental Championship to, to Stone Cold. Like, there's no way that wasn't happening. That was the only way fans were going to leave happy at those wrestling events. And that's what happened. I just, but again, it was a kind of a stale, it was a stale subject. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm the, it was very derivative story, but Stone Cold made it cool because of what he did outside of the ring as opposed to what was doing, what was happening in the ring was okay, but it was all what was going outside, you know, stealing the belt, throwing it off the bridge. Like yeah. it's those moments that made it good. The actual match itself, not so great. It was, you know, it was an average match, but like it was the storytelling up to the point of the match. And, you know, I get it. I understand it. For some reason, that one just doesn't really resonate with me. Like it's a high profile main event rivalry, but it just doesn't like uh, the other ones, like of course, Bret Hart and, Steve Austin. That sticks out to me. They did the double turn at WrestleMania 10. Yeah, but do you, do you want to know why that stands out to you? Go ahead. I can tell you what. Well, it's because of, you know, Austin was being a complete fucking dick. You put the letter S and S in front of the hitman, and that's how I feel about you. That's like, when he was starting to come up. Yeah. Yeah. He was being that prick. He's being that cocky fucking asshole, and you gravitated towards it. You're a, you're a stone cold guy. And then what happens? Stone Cold turns face, but not really. He's still a, he's still a guy who's not a real anti-hero. Nice guy. Anti-hero. He's the anti-hero. And what does he do? Yeah. Oh, he gets to talk shit to his boss. We all wanted to do that. I I get that one, but the the uh, like just sticking on Brett and and uh, Austin for a minute, like that feud didn't feel like it lasted that long either. Like it kind of <clears throat> they did the double double turn at WrestleMania. The reason why that WrestleMania match sticks out too is because it was really the only good match on the whole card. Like you look back at that card, not very good. That match saves it. When they did oh, the yeah. double turn, I mean, like, the I quit match, Austin would not quit. He passed the, out. If you go back and you watch a lot of the nineties 
WrestleManias. There's not like a lot of those shows sucked. There's just yeah. the one big main event or the two main events, and the rest of the show is just like you sat through it and you tolerated it and you got behind it because it's what you do. You watch and you try to get into it. Um, but yeah, you go back and you watch a lot of the old 80s and 90s WrestleMania. Some of that shit is just like watching paint dry, um, which is unfortunate. Now, like I like I'm a bitter old man who's jaded when it comes to wrestling. Um, so I'm I can go back like I, I, I can look back at things and remember why I liked them as a kid. But like going back and try like I can't go back and watch some old wrestling. I can't because I'm just like it's so cringy. There's so much of it that's just so bad. Like, I'll go back and watch the things I was really into, but, like, some of that stuff that people are like, oh, you should go back and watch this match, and I go back and watch it, I'm like, dude, that sucked. It sucked. I don't, see what you, I don't see what you were into, why you're so into it. But, again, everyone goes back and looks at, at you know, the, the past wrestling. Like, some people, were like, really got into the whole, like, uh, fucking oddities thing with the insane clown posse and bullshit. Like, I never did, and I was an insane clown posse fan, but I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah that was kind of a, a well they were just a comedy gimmick anyway but um yeah getting getting back uh kind of into the to the mid to late attitude era like rivalries like sean and brett so let's kind of if you can get into the headspace you were back then mm-hmm. did you know like I know it kind of became one of the big th- one of the big shifts in the late later nineties, the attitude era was not only did they kind of pull the curtain back on kayfabe, but they almost made fun of kayfabe. So if you remember like the big thing, what really rocketed DX into the stratosphere was when they kind of showed the, the MSG incident. So the MSG incident for the uninitiated, and uninformed is uh, Razor and Diesel were leaving the WWF at the time. Um, you know, one Diesel was the bad guy. Michaels was the good guy at the time. They had a steel cage match. Uh, Michaels beat him, and uh, they hug in the ring. And then all of a sudden, Scott Hall comes down, and Triple H comes down, and all four of them who are part of the clique, along with Sean Waltman, who wasn't there that night, they all embrace in the ring. Even though at the time Triple H and Diesel are bad guys, Shawn Michaels and uh, Razor Ramon or Scott Hall are good guys, they all hug in the ring. And that's basically like the end of, like, we're not even going to try to pretend anymore that it's, you know they're making fun of the fact that they even tried to pretend that things weren't, you know, that, that things were real or whatever. Mm. Um, so at this time it was all the rage to kind of peel back the curtain. And if there was a legit beef between two wrestlers, they, they put it on television. They made you aware of it. So this was one of those rivalries, one of the first rivalries that I can remember where they actually said, no, these two fucking hate each other in real life. And we're just going to put them in the ring and we're just going to see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like the whole, like, again, because of the whole, they pulled, the, the, they peel back the curtain. They showed the, they shown their cards and we understand what was going on in the back. Um, when the screw job happened, we weren't all in the know. A lot of us were still, you know, not not sure that you know they're going to let Bret Hart leave. We were in that camp of 
they can't. Brett's the Brett's the guy. We, he's the Canadian. He's the Canadian hero. We want we want to keep Brett because you know he draws money because it, uh, because of the the the, the, the demographic that he kind of caters to. But a lot of people were like, "Hey, Brett, you got to get a, you got to get into this whole new attitude era where it's a little more adult." And Brett didn't want to do it. Brett was like still the old school kayfabe wrestling guy. He just didn't like where wrestling was going. So he hated what was going on. So that kind of, I think, uh, exacerbated the whole hatred towards Sean because Sean was more popular because he was going with going with what was going on in wrestling. He was the guy who started it. And, you know, I think I think Brett really resented Sean for the where wrestling was going and he was OK with it. And whereas Brett was like, you know, I'm a purist. And that's kind of where like real life kind of met the, the rubber met the road in that in that rivalry. Um. But you go back and like all the little quips, like, you know, much has been made of aside from obviously the Montreal screw job itself, but I mean, the sunny days comment, like, did you, yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, like we didn't know that back then. Like we didn't know until after the fact, right? No, exactly. Again, there's all these, uh, like when we, when he made those quips, we didn't know, we didn't really understand what he meant. Like sunny days. Like, what is he talking about? Like sunny, like really Brett's married. And it turns out it was bold. It was Davey. But anyway. Well, it was Michaels too. Like Michaels was kind of projecting because it was himself. That was, he was the one nailing her at the time. But uh, like, it's, it's one of those rivalries where you kind of want to go back and watch all of those little interactions that the two had. Do you know what I mean? Like to pick up like, Oh, he hit a nerve there. You can tell by the way you know, Brett reacted to that. Or um, there was another one where, where Michael said something about Stu Hart and said he was dead. And you could tell that, you know, Hart wasn't cool with that. Like he, oh, yeah, there's he, a lot of quips where people, you know, you couldn't see that, it, you know, touched a nerve or whatnot. Um, I, I liked the rivalry. I, it was a great, I mean, it made for great television made for a great pay-per-view that survivor series was probably one of the most watched survivor series ever up up till now probably still probably one of the most popular ones to be watched because of what happened um the downside to it is there's a lot of things in those old in the archives that are on the the peacock channel that they've you know they've censored and gotten rid of because of you know things that are the content so like you know, you can't go back and watch the bad news Brown Roddy Piper thing because, you know, blackface, it's gone. So <laughs> it was removed, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so there's like, it, it's kind of hard to like, the thing about WWF slash WWE is they have a revisionist ad, like a uh, way that they look back at things. So they'll try to push their narrative. So like, I don't try to, I try not to go back and watch their versions of things i try to go back and watch like i'll watch the, I'll watch find the, the shoot original interviews yeah, yeah watch the find the original watch the shoot interviews and then get that get those hot takes but yeah it was a great rivalry for for what it was i mean it, 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 it lasted what a year and a half and then it finally Something blew like off that. yeah there was the dx uh, heart foundation stuff um even aside from just the individuals and i mean you had a number of individuals that were involved there and you remember they did the storyline where you know michaels was hitting on uh, diana hart 
and yeah. uh, you and then you look back and you understand that Sunny kind of came between the two of those. So they weren't really talking mm -hmm. about about Diana Hart. They were talking no. about Sunny. Yeah. So there's like and... a lot of a lot of really you know like <clears throat> cool things about that that you know you can go back and you kind of find can find a tidbits online about you know shoot interviews and whatnot. But yeah, those, great rivalry. A lot of layers to it. Yeah. And obviously the way it ended is the most infamous exactly. incident in wrestling history. Um, and then of course we got the big one and that's going to be Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. So see, sure. yep. Go ahead. Uh, oh, I was just, take. I was just good. Hot yep. take. Give me your hot I take. Not into the, I was not into that fucking rivalry at all. It just really? got so, it went so long. Okay, Hell but me. at the first, at the first, at the first, sure, the first two main events, sure, but like after that, it's like you know, Vince is like Vince is now an on-screen character. Vince is winning a title in ECW. Vince is Vince is always trying to stack the de the deck against Austin, and always Austin always comes out on top. And then oh, they screwed Austin, and then Austin's chasing for the title. It got old. It got so old so fast. Like so, the first six months, I was into it. After that, I'm like, okay, let's do something else. I agree to an extent, but here's the thing: this is why it was able to last so long, and this is why it was so endearing uh, and so popular was the fact that Austin kind of represented that every man. So, well, I mean, it's exactly what we. It's the exact same thing we said. Is like we all dreamed about telling our boss off. That's exactly. why we like Austin. Like, but the thing is, is like at the end of the day, when you, when you like back then, I mean, we were in our early twenties and night, like 19, 20, 22, like we all wanted to tell our boss off, but we know how it really works is you really went in and did that to your boss. You really are getting fired. Of course, of course, so, but you could live vicariously through what he was doing on the screen. But as much as that kind of appealed to our age group. Uh, the other thing that really appealed to me, and I'm sure it did to everybody else as well, at that point, you're still kind of like, Vince was always kind of this, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I remember as a kid, Vince was always just the announcer. Like, you know, and you'd heard rumors that he actually owned WWF. And you're like, that's what a stupid, I remember the first time I heard that. Um we were watching some wrestling event at a, at a buddy's house who had the satellite dish back in the day. And I remember someone's dad, like we were there with a bunch of parents and kids and stuff. There was, I don't know, it was like four or five of us there. And someone's dad's like, you know, Vince owns the whole thing. Right. And I remember laughing at that and thinking, no, he doesn't like, he's just, he's just an announcer. Like, what are you talking about? And, uh, like, I just remember that, that moment. It's one of those moments that stuck out as a kid. And then as time has kind of gone on, you find out, I don't even remember how I found out that he actually owned the WWF, but it, you know, you, you find out at some point. And, uh, you know, that's cool, whatever. And then they kind of made it well known as we get into the Attitude Era that, you know, Vince McMahon does own the WWF. They come out with it on TV and everything else. 
But what really stuck out to me was when Vince McMahon actually got in the ring and wrestled as an in-ring talent. Because, you know, being an old wrestling fan, he was always like kind of the, the announcer. Uh, he was the butt of, of a lot of jokes. Like you remember Jesse Ventura used to always joke about him wearing a toupee and, you know, being like a little wussy and stuff like that. And it was just, he was always kind of that geeky announcer. And then all of a sudden, like, he's getting in the ring now. And, you know, you had mentioned the Monday Night War. And uh, one of these, you know, at this point in time, WCW is just creaming the WWF, like just destroying them. It's during that 84-week run, you know, where WCW won 84 consecutive weeks. And, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to build up this Vince austin rivalry and it's the match where it's the first match that vince mcmahon's going to get in the ring and if you remember they tied an, one arm one of steve austin's arms behind his back because you remember he's like you said you could take me with one arm tied behind your back and that segment actually beat wcw segment at that time it was the first time that the wwf ever even showed like a glimmer of life during those 80, 84 weeks that they got pounded. And because people <clears throat> wanted to see Vince McMahon in the ring, it was unique. It was different. And yeah, like that's, that's what always stuck out to me was like, that's when the tide really started turning. And then Vince became this on air character you saw it more and more. It wasn't a novelty act anymore. Um, I think he won the title there at one point because he was in the, wasn't he in the um, the Royal Rumble or something? Oh yeah, like I said, like Vince Vince became an on screen character, and then you know he he won a championship, he won a Rumble, he decided to you know like it got to that point where you know he's fighting God with Shawn Michaels. It got really fucking. Like the Vince character really annoying. After a while, and they, 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 they did the whole like his kids hate him. Now his kids are on his side. Now they hate him again. I agree. Like Vince is a as an on screen character. It probably should have ended after that feud with Austin. Um, but I mean, it's Vince, and he just didn't want to let it go. And people still popped for it, man. Like it's still it's still drew. Oh, I again, but again, it drew <clears> because. Everyone wanted to see him get beat up because it was the whole Austin thing. Yeah. Yeah. But if you remember one of the, the, the key moments in that Austin, just kind of sticking with Austin McMahon for a moment. One of the key moments in that whole rivalry was of course, when Vince McMahon was in the hospital. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah. And then that was the whole mankind and the puppet and Stone Cold yep. came in with the bedpan. Oh, I got this here nurse. And then the, yep. the, the infamous bedpan shot. Oh yeah. The infamous, and then, and then he stuck the, the defibrillator up his ass and he shocked him and yeah, just, <laughs> I still remember one of the best parts was when Mick was in there trying to cheer him up and then Austin's like, damn it, Mick leave. <laughs> just so good. Vince, I've got someone here. She does a trick with a balloon. You wouldn't believe. <laughs> That's like she does balloon animals. I don't even remember her name. Pogo the clown. I think that was a funny segment. Yes. No, but I don't think it was Pogo. Was... Pogo's Wayne John Wayne 
John Wayne Gacy. Right, but I think, I think that's Poco. what he said. Or Poco the Clown. Poco? Maybe it was something like this. Might have been. But I'm pretty sure it was like a play. Oh, it was a play on the John Wayne Gacy thing. So, <laughs> but yeah. And then Mr. Stock. The, there was some good moments, man. And then the beer truck. That's another classic moment. Yeah. Um, the, the funny thing is, though, even before that happened, uh, like the Vince Austin, like a lot of people kind of think that's when Vince really started becoming like a like a usable character, like in storylines. It was actually before that. And it was actually with DX because it was always DX fighting authority. And they were fighting with Vince McMahon as well. Um, there would always kind of be middlemen, like Sergeant Slaughter was there. The Stooges. Uh, was, you know, there was a couple yeah. of other guys. Yeah, the Stooges. But, it, it, you know, it was DX versus Vince McMahon before it was Vince McMahon and Austin. No, I understand that. But, it's just but that DX didn't, like, it didn't catch on because DX was still heels and Vince was trying to be a heel, but not really. It was weird. It was well. Vince was yeah. It, it Vince was trying to be like the like you will, like he wasn't being the heel. He was kind of like you know you have to act a certain way in public. Like you can't act like this. And it was kind of the the real life thing that was backstage where Vince didn't want Michaels and and Hunter to act this way because it just you just didn't do it. And then eventually he decided yeah yeah we're gonna go this way because. We have to. We're getting killed. We got to try something. Yeah. But it was kind of like that backstage shit that was going on before they allowed DX to be DX and they just kind of brought it to the screen. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It was just more of a, it is what it is. I I, I didn't so, I didn't really give a shit about the whole DX Vince thing. I, I don't think I was, I don't know if I was really avidly watching. I mean, I was, but I just didn't care. Awesome, oh, good moments, man. Some good, especially with Sergeant Slaughter and that. Oh, I mean, we used to watch it every night. I remember, like, we'd hang out and, you know, he'd come out, they'd be wearing the the fucking uh, riot gear and the, with the windshield wiper because he talked with the yes. feet spraying his face. And he's like, say it, don't spray it. Yep. And, you know, and then, you know, so good. talking about, you know, Hunter wants to show Sergeant Slaughter's wife his bazooka, that type of bullshit. His, his Lance Corporal. Yeah. So, like, you know, you got, <laughs> you, you know, I get it. There, there's a lot of really cool, like, awesome moments in the ring and quips, like, the, against the authority figures. Completely get it. I mean, we all DX marks at one point in time. Even you who hated Shawn Michaels. Yeah, but I was more of a, a I liked Hunter. I was a Hunter guy. <laughs> and when Shawn um, went home, who ran the crew? Hunter. Oh, I know. Well, it wasn't that he took his ball and ran home. He didn't want to leave. It was his back. And it was thanks to your buddy that did that. What buddy? Who's buddy? It was, it was during the it was during the casket match. It, I, the exact time that they showed, it was uh, Michaels and Undertaker. And there was a, a match where there was a casket at ringside. Mm -hmm. And Undertaker threw Michaels out of the ring. And Michaels couldn't quite clear where the casket was. And he caught his back on it. And that's what fucked him up and that's what caused him to have to retire after that wrestlemania where he dropped the title to austin which was a great feud in its own austin michaels because it involved mike tyson in one of the greatest moments in in the attitude era man that was awesome 
Do you remember uh, that? See, I did Tyson I was there. Could give a fuck less about the Tyson bullshit. You didn't that press conference where Tyson was in the ring and Austin comes out and quote unquote ruins the whole thing and Austin and Michaels are about to go or Austin and and uh, Tyson are about to go at it. You didn't you didn't mark out to that. No. Like I thought it was wow. I thought it was funny that you know uh, Austin thought that you know Mike Tyson was going to be on his side and then you know the swerve and then oh the double swerve oh no. You, he's really a Stone Cold <laughs> fan, or sorry, a Cold Stone fan. Cold Stone. I like Cold Stones. Like I just, eh, it was okay. I look back at that time period, like that match is like, it was just a way to get the belt off Michaels because he wanted to go home and you know lick his wounds because his back was. Well, he didn't want to. He had to. Yeah. This wasn't I lost my smile situation where he just didn't want to drop the title to Bret Hart. This was legit. Wasn't that whole lost my smile thing during when he was an intercontinental champion and he dropped the belt to Dean? He, well, they, they dropped the belt to Dean, but he was supposed to lose it to Bret Hart. And the, the, that's what kind of started the whole animosity between Hart and Michaels was because to this day, Hart still believes that Michaels didn't want to drop the title to him. <clears throat> so he faked a knee injury. You're getting mixed up. That's not true at all. Am yeah. I? Yeah. The whole, the whole. Well, well correct me, so sir. So the whole, the whole Austin or not Austin, the whole Michaels, uh, Sean, uh, Brett Hart thing was, Brett, Brett doesn't like Sean. We all know this, and he goes, you know, I don't like Sean, but I respect what he does in the ring. He's Brett. Brett's always respected what Sean's done in the ring. Even if you go, you go walk, go look back and watch some of the old shoot stuff. He even says it to this day. He goes, "What pissed me off is he goes, when I dropped the title to Sean." At that fucking best Iron Man match, he goes. Sean looked at me and goes, "I will never do this. For, I would never do this for you." He goes, "I would hold on to this belt as long as I could." And that's exactly when it was like, "Fuck this guy! I hate this guy!" And I'm done. And that's when that's when the attitude era hit because this was right around like when Brett lost the belt to Sean. Brett went away for a little bit. Remember, he was gone. And then Sean had his run with the title. Yeah. And then Brett came back and like. Did Sean ever drop the title to Brett? I think he did. Sean has never dropped the title exactly. to Brett ever. And that's exactly what he said. He says, I'll never drop the belt to Sean. And when that and when Brett came back, that's when all this bullshit blew up with the the sunny days and you know, Brett not liking Sean and Sean not liking Brett is because Sean said that to him. Like right after he after, right so after if he, you after, right after he wins the belt, you look at the guy and be like, I'm never gonna do this for you, by the way. So if you remember that, like, if you go back and you watch that match, I mean, I don't expect you to watch the whole hour and 10 minutes or whatever it was of it. Watch the end of it again, too. There's a point in time where Michaels, who's supposed to be the good guy at the time, by the way, because that was when he was doing his whole super sock Lothario bullshit. Um, he tells Dave Hebner, get him the fuck out of the ring. Do you, rem do you, do you remember seeing that? Mm-hmm. Michaels is lying there because he wants to get up and pose with the ring or pose with the title. But Brett was going to do the whole like sportsmanship thing and hand him the title and mm -hmm. like raise his hand and kind of be part of it with him. And Michaels flat out, you can see him mouth it to, uh, to Dave Hebner, or Earl Hebner. I, I think it was Earl when he comes over and he's like, tell him to get the fuck out of the ring. Yeah. 
Um, but this happened before that, this whole knee thing, because that was, that's Michael's becoming the heavyweight champion. This is when he's the intercontinental champion before he wins the heavyweight yeah, but, title. But this is kind of where story, it The storyline was bit. never Brett and Sean back then. You go back and watch. It was never a storyline of Brett going for the title back, back then. It, I, I, underst- I understand that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that the story was supposed to go that he was going to lose to Bret Hart at that time. The story was supposed to go is the, the belt was supposed to go on Shane. That's why Shane's so pissed off because Sean never did the job for him. He did. And then they, they put the <laughs> swerve on him and he fucking, he lost the belt the same night to fucking. Paul. Maybe it was. Maybe That's exactly right. what Maybe it was. you're right. Yeah. Cause he was, you're right. Cause he was intercontinental champion for like literally like 20 minutes. Yep. He literally got, they handed him the title. And then all of a sudden, Razor's music came out. Razor came out and beat Dean Douglas. And then what happened? Yes. Sean came back and beat Razor in the fucking ladder. <laughs> so like, it, it, no, it, Razor, Razor wins that match. Razor wins the. the oh right, uh, when he comes match. back as the he never lost the chain. He never lost the belt. I remember that now. He came back with the other yes. con, with the other Intercontinental title. Said I never lost, and I had to vacate. I'm still the champ, and he'll do. And then they had the two belts. He'll do the job to Hall. Yeah. that's not a problem. Yeah, I'll I'll job for Hall, no problem. But I'm not doing it for Shane. I'm not doing it for fucking. <laughs> I'm not doing it for uh, Bret Hart either. So like, yeah. Do you know what the Do you know what the weird thing is? Is that I'll laugh my ass off at that and think that's funny and awesome, but I'll fucking hate Hogan for doing the same thing. <laughs> Makes no sense. Mm. I don't know. It's just well, we, Hogan's just hated on, on all on all fronts anyway because of everything that's been gone going on. But we've been yapping for almost two hours. We got to sign off. Um, I'm going to give out my right. socials and then we'll sign off here. So as always, you can find us on Podbean. You can find us on Spotify um, just by searching the Retro Two BD Podcast. Um, you can even search it on Google. You'll find us there as well. You'll see us in Google Podcasts, also on uh, Amazon platform as well. You can. Follow us on Instagram at 2BD Pods, and you can follow us on uh, Twitter at 2BD Pod. Um, we are looking at maybe doing a TikTok. Haven't heard anything yet. We're trying to figure some stuff out. Maybe even looking at doing some live shows. We'll see how that goes out, where we're going to do some YouTube live and you can actually see our fugly faces. Um, we're trying some new things, folks. We'll uh, stay tuned. Um, as always, we always like to end this uh, podcast by saying Peace. Later.